From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, very pleasant. Uh, good afternoon to you, fun seekers. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed our show the last couple of hours. We talked about Mozart and Aristotle and Plato. We were getting, we, I, I should just get a glass of wine and think I know what I'm talking about, but don't get me started. It was really fun with Matthew Errett uh, looking into the old history and the, the Freemasons and fun stuff like that. So uh, if you're just joining us now, look on our website and uh, you can see that. Or he listen to that show and then up on BitChute uh, a little bit later on and check it out. Uh, this is Patrick Timpone and we are live. It is the 18th of January. A piece of equipment that puts our phones on the air is not happening. It's getting repaired. So you have to use the email if you want to participate in the show today on this uh, lovely Tuesday afternoon in Dripping Springs, Texas. Just Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. Our guest uh, right now is Bear Paul Londo. He's a cool guy. He's up there in AlphaVedic.com. Uh, He's uh, a real eclectic kind of a guy. Biological terrain medicine, clinical kinesiology, Japanese meridian therapy, functional movement specialist, craniopathy, visceral manipulation, chiropractic, new German medicine, oxidative therapies. He's got some great products, and I'm going to tell you about his teas that I just ordered some more. And uh, so we're going to get uh, joined by uh, Mr. Lando and say hi and talk for a little bit here. Mr. Lando, uh, good, good day to you, sir. Nice to have you on the show. Patrick, uh, always great to be with you. Uh, these chats are uh, really the most fun for me because it's like old home week here. So uh, always good to talk to you. Thanks for having me back. Look at you, man. You're looking good. You got your little apothecary back behind you. Man, you're all set up there. And you're just, I look, uh, every time I go to your website and look at where you live, tell folks about where you live. It's just spectacular. Wow. We're uh, up in the, uh, how do we, how do we call it? It used to be the people, uh, the Republic of California. Now I think it's the People's Republic of California. I see. Oh, and uh, we're right on the border with Oregon. So we're in this little um, kind of Shangri-La that's passed us by, you know, the terrain is very rugged. There's a lot of rivers and mountain ranges that all come together here so they can't develop it and they really don't know what to do with this i think <laughs> so uh we just pretty much live free and easy here and i live in an off-grid area there's no power lines or cell towers for a long ways and we're talking today by way of satellite and so that's why there's a little voice delay sometimes so forgive that but yeah we're in a great spot and then uh you know i uh, have a farm here we uh our specialty is medicinal herbs and uh, we do a lot of workshops here, you know, as far as uh, teaching people how to garden. I have a certification in permaculture and mm -hmm. master gardener and all that. But that's just on paper where we really learn is outside. And, and uh, my wife and myself, she's, uh, you know, the real green thumb of the family. Um, you know, we've been doing this together for years. Yeah. How long have you been married? Ooh, you're going to give away my age here. Yeah. Uh, we're... Uh, Shy of 50 years by about four Whoa, years. Oh, is that right? Well, good for you. She's put up with you all these years, you know? You, her first name Don't is Saint. Don't ask me why. Her first name is Saint, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be the first one to admit to that. Yeah, yeah. 
So, um, so when you do when you talk about permaculture, we've done some shows uh, bear over the years. Um, but um, talk uh, talk a bit about what this means exactly, permaculture. Permaculture. I look at permaculture as a facet of the way we farm. Uh, permaculture is really more about design and having the design of your agriculture um, mesh into the surroundings so that you're, you know, it's kind of a seven generational philosophy in that any of your agricultural pursuits always want to think ahead and not um, destroy agriculture for generations down the road. So we want to grow, you know, provide for our needs, but then uh, not do it at the expense of the ecology of the soil. And in fact, uh, when we're through with our seasonal crops, have the ecology improve from, you know, where it was when we began in the first place. Mm. So we're constantly creating good topsoil. The other part of the design is understanding how to look at any geographical area. You know, a lot of people always ask me, well, how should I farm in this area or grow in my backyard? And I say, well, it depends. You know, every uh, every location is a very distinct ecosystem, just like a human body. You know, and I uh, treated bodies in my clinical years, uh, you know, a hundred people could come up with the same diagnosis and I treat them all differently. We're all unique, the same with your backyard or your farm. So the design uh, really allows you to lay out all of your operations. So they make sense in a very practical way. They're mo- more efficient. Mm-hmm. And also you're um, making uh, best use of the resources. The other principles I use are more from uh, Rudolf Steiner, Uh, biodynamic methodology, which is understanding, you know, uh, simply put, just kind of completing the loop, um, you know, so you have a full circle of uh, anything from animals to microbes to worms and, and, you know, pollinators and having everybody, you know, be part of that loop and have every part of the loop support the next part of the loop. So it just keeps the cell sustaining itself. And Steiner, of course, was brought into the European community, you know, a long time ago when their agriculture was failing and they said, what do we do? Steiner was the smartest guy around. So he mm. uh, taught them the biodynamic model. The last thing I'll say with our operation is I bring a little bit of rocket science into it <laughs> and I do something called an ionization analysis, which is one of the labs I did treating patients for years on every patient I saw. And uh, we do the same thing with the the soil, Hmm. same kind of measurements. And what we do is we take uh, biochemical elements from the soil, but then we create a mathematical equation. We call it the line of resistance. And then we're looking at molecules and how they affect electricity because electricity is really what makes our bodies tick. It's what makes the whole universe tick. It's electrical, basically. So rather than look at the after effects, which are molecules, we know how to extrapolate um, what that what those molecules are telling us in in terms of electricity. So uh, with very simple tweaking, once you know how to do that, you can change that line of resistance and, uh, you know, tamper with the soil less and uh, really get fantastic results. And what you're doing is creating a compatibility of micronage between the soil and also with the rootlets so that the rootlets uh, can 
uptake, you know, the minerals and all the things that the microbes and the worms are making available for them in the first place. And it also makes those populations healthier when you get the electrical properties of the soil, right? So everybody's happy. And, you know, we can really have another way to monitor if we're taking care of the bottom line, which is electricity. Wow, that's pretty geeky, man. That is coolly cool. Um, so how are we getting the electrical properties of the soil right? I mean, are those not coming in bare from divine spirit or chi, whatever you want to call it, God? I mean, is, excuse me, isn't this where it comes from? So do we have to mess with that at all or just leave it alone? Um, we should be able to leave it alone, but uh, a lot of areas have been compromised, uh, ecologically speaking, oh. just like our bodies. That's why I used to do this in the bodies, too. But, you know, above our heads, there's these things called the moon and the sun and constellations. And they're actually beaming down very specific resonance oh. that creates geometry on the ground. Oh. So, uh, for instance, if a particular species of plant requires a geometry or a resonance that makes it distinct from another plant living next door to it, then what happens is you need those elements in that same proportion in the ground to receive that resonance, just like an electrical capacitor that then makes it available. So uh, hmm. now we live in an unspoiled area, so I don't have to do that much. You know, there's no... Um, industry or or agriculture that's ruined anything here it's pristine what we are doing that's a little unnatural though is i'm growing uh you know vines and and things that are better suited to the tropics so it's a little bit of a uh, strategy as far as creating a habitat that they'll thrive where they're not supposed to thrive but then also doing it so that it's not at the expense of the ecology hmm. so then the plan the plants and the roots and the soil, they receive the, the energy, the love, peace, love, and hippie beats from the sun and the moon? And, and it's, a, and it's a, like our bodies. And the planets There's, too, yeah. right? The planets? Right. Yeah, we talked about this last time when uh -huh. I got together. Um, you know, there's some basic inorganic elements. Uh, you know, we call them uh, the 12 cell salts are very prominent here because um, those compounds are uh, the exact resonant capacitors or uh, replications of those larger fields in the 12-point spectrum. You know, everything's in this 12, you know, and the same thing in our body we have in our solar plexus, um, you know, uh, uh, this the sun, the solar plexus, mm -hmm. that's why they call it. And there's, it's a nervous ganglia. And then mm -hmm. there's, uh, you know, represents the 12 organs. And then, you know, all these things go to the 12 organs. But it's all about transmitting light and that light uh you know goes through geometric prisms that these inorganic elements provide you know through the resonance is coming down from above and that's the same thing in the soil so when i'm looking at the electrical vectors in the soil what i'm doing is understanding then which of those elements i need to tweak a little bit to create the perfect mathematical uh, formula so that the electrical properties vectors will travel with the least amount of resistance. Oh, that's pretty cool, man. And so you're tweaking actual um, substances in the soil itself. Adding, yes. adding yes. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. For instance, if you add 
calcium versus carbon versus any other typical organic soil amendments, uh, nitrogen, potassium, you know, in, in typical agriculture, they're, they're just nitrogen, potassium, phosphorus, you know, that's all they think about. And then if, you, if you're in a growth cycle, just dump on the nitrogen and the organic growers think they're organic because they're just using organic uh, sources for nitrogen. On the other hand, they're burning the soil out and really not building the proper proportions that will then feed the microorganisms, worms, and create topsoil for, you know, the next season. So you don't have to come in every season and just dump more and more stuff. So it's a minimalistic approach, but it's a very intelligent approach so that you're working with nature and asking nature some intelligent questions rather than just the more is better kind of philosophy of uh, agriculture. That's cool. So what kind of things are growing outside of your home right now? What, what, which vegetables? What are you growing and herbs? Well, it's the uh, dormant season. Okay. But, um, you know, there's things that are getting ready to sprout up pretty soon, just in a couple months. We've got Gulan, ashwagandha, astragalus, uh, elderberry. I'm just going off the top of my head. We've got, you know, every fruit tree you can think of, hmm. ground crops that are all berries. Um uh, you know, we've got one little section in our orchard area that's our personal food production. We aren't a food producing farm. We're, uh, you know, about medicinal herbs. And I have a lab here on the premises that I, you know, take those herbs and do things with them. But uh, we grow more food here than we can possibly eat. But, you know, that's more just to provide for ourselves and and, uh, you know, we have a, a, a very small neighborhood. You can't see anybody from anybody's house because it's spread out and it's all off grid, but we all know of each other. And it's, you know, just typical that somebody will come by that lives further up on the flat that mm-hmm. has a little bit of a different growing condition and grows things that we don't grow. So they'll bring down a box of this and we'll give them a box That's of right. that. Uh-huh. And so it's it's a nice little community where, you know, uh, you know, and seven eight months out of the year you don't go to the grocery store there's no need wow and so by doing these um these ideas that we were talking about with the electrical uh, it just um does it increase the it must increase the chi as well as the minerals and and everything in the in the in the the, uh, herbs like you, you you make your teas and all of that and the uh, just increases the vibration right Prana, chi, orgone, doesn't matter what you call it. You know, where they really messed with us <laughs> is when they took the concept of ether out of the scientific equation. Oh. So what they want people like me to believe when we're doing our pre-med, you know, physics and everything, when they show us these little diagrams of waves, you know, squiggly lines in a one-dimensional thing, um, they don't tell us how those waves are transmitted from point A to point B. And, you know, when I'm out there surfing, uh, you know, we know water is a medium that translates, you know, the the, the waves, uh, you know, travel through so that we can surf. You know, it's the same thing, um, you know, the, within the um, atmosphere, all these waveforms that are acknowledged to exist in one part of physics, they don't tell you how they get there because they say ether is mythology, is kind of old school alchemy or something. But the fact is people like Wilhelm Reich proved that there is an ether and just did it in more of a modern uh, technical sense compared to, you know, the old alchemist. And so this ether, uh, the reason why I'm bringing it up 
is that's how these resonant waveforms, because it all boils down to waveform mechanics, that's how they travel from the constellations to the elements in the ground, to the elements in our bloodstream, mm. so that the cells of our body have those 12, uh, you know, salts or the primary elements. There's more than just 12, but those are the primary ones. And then those determine the function and the form of every cell and every organ and every tissue of our body. If they are absent, just like if they're absent in the soil, then what's going to happen is you're going to have symptoms. And, uh, you know, of course, our brilliant doctors and, you know, I went through that training and worked on the other side myself in emergency services, uh, you know, for a few years, um, you know, we'll tell you, well, now you've got a disease. And then we start doing even stupider things to mess you up more. But what we're really looking at is a deficiency of one of these elements that in when it's deficient, now let's just take the body, it cannot um, manufacture uh, just like a carpenter, if he's building a house, he needs the elements that he needs that the house is made out of. <laughs> and the cells are the same thing. So if one of those elements is missing, then when it's trying to, um, you know, create the geometry and function of a tissue out of the organic elements, it's not possible. So then a lot of those organic elements start accumulating in places where they're, you know, not supposed to be. And they might accumulate in the sinuses or the throat. And then you'll, you know, be blowing your nose and you have a sore throat because the body's trying to eliminate them. And then, uh, you know, the next step is they um, say, oh, you've got strep throat because we just cultivated uh, or cultured uh, right. this bacterial phase that they think is a distinct entity, but it's not. It's a, a, a bacterial phase. It's something that already lives in your body. And it's there trying to help your body clean up the mess. And it gave you antibiotics to kill that guy. Oh, I feel better. And then down the road, you know, when that guy's needed for uh, real important functions, you end up contracting, you know, uncontrollable growths and things. And, um, you know, the cells will not accept or be able to use anything that is not one of those recognized elements in the first place. So if you give it antibiotics or drugs uh, or, or just, you know, inappropriate uh, food or eat too much, uh, then, you know, uh, it's just going to discard it and it's going to accumulate. It's going to create symptoms. And then the uh, bacteria and these things we call viruses and fungus and stuff, they're trying to clean things up in many cases. So you have seeds, uh, you know, I was trained in the old German school of pleomorphic uh, microbiology, and that is a direct lineage from Beauchamp, who had his work stolen by Pasteur, who then became our, you know, contemporaneous uh, father of microbiology. Uh -huh. He was a paid for stooge. He was a Dr. Fauci of the day. Hmm. <laughs> and um, so that's how they fostered the germ theory because they had, you know, well thought out uh, ahead of time agenda where they would be able to sell their wares if they made us afraid of ourselves. And uh, as a matter of fact, our bodies are more microbes than anything else. They outnumber our cells probably about 10,000 to one. Whoa. So, um there's other gentlemen that took Bouchamp's work. We're going back in the 1800s, developed microscopes. So, you know, you can actually see what they're talking about and prove it out. And you see these uh, germ seeds of these microbes that live inside of us. Um, when I look at them, you know, under my microscope, you see them uh, mutating 
on the spot instantly into, you know, these predictable cycles. And based on the condition of the terrain, certain of these characters will go into bacterial phases because they do certain things for the body in the bacterial phase. Sometimes they'll mutate to a fungal phase because they have other functions when they're in that phase. So it's a predictable cycle. And then if the body is, um, you know, in somewhat of a working order and balance, then these guys, when they do the, their job, they just, you know, go away back into their original form and lie in wait for when, uh, you know, they're needed again. Wow. And, you know, if you know how to manage the bioterrain, then not only do you typically have very happy results with people that come in with all these so-called incurable things, but then you're also building their health. So in the long run, they're much happier and healthier than before they were even diagnosed with the thing in the first place. Wow. Uh, the trick is, is to try to get them before they're tampered with by the system that throws a kitchen sink gotcha. at them and doesn't know what the hell they're doing and, in the first place. And what are these little guys called that are morphing? And is, it, is, is this pleomorphism where they... They morph into the viruses when they're needed. What are they called before they they change their character? In German microbiology, we call them proteids. Proteids? And those are like the seed form. Uh, they're <laughs> isopathic preparations that I used in my clinical years that you know, where you can reseed just like in agriculture, uh, these little organisms, if they're in short supply, and if you know what each of the families do, there's a good number of them, then you can use them and just rebuild the ecosystem that way. That's part a big part of bioterrain medicine. Huh. Um, just a comment about virus, since you mentioned okay. a couple of times, um, I am 100% convinced that viruses do not exist. And viruses... Um, are a mythology. They've never been observed. They've never, you know, they'll say, oh, well, what about that picture I saw in, you know, the CGI picture I saw on the cover of uh, Scientific, whatever, sure. or, you know, um, it, it's, it's a theory. And basically, the theory is that you have this uh, um, inner, you know, not alive genetic material, and uh, somehow it's just waiting on doorknobs and things to lurch at you and you know and make you sick yes sir. i mean it's a ridiculous theory actually and then the test uh you know i had a a, a lot of experience in the aids years because i was in the peak of a lot of my clinical work back then you know they blame it on a virus well that virus was conjectured to have some kind of link um with a condition um, but we can tell you exactly why the condition, the symptoms of AIDS occurred that have nothing to do with a virus that didn't exist and how their antibody test was another theory based upon a theory. So it's really ridiculous. Oh, and guess what? Dr. Fauci was in the middle of that one. It just happened to make a lot of money with that as well. Um, now, uh, now they have like the PCR test. Uh, am I okay talking about this stuff? Because oh, I know yeah. if I get out on YouTube, they'll attack you. That's okay. okay. I'm already, they don't let me on YouTube anymore anyway. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> that means you're doing good work. That's right. That's uh, right. So, um, yeah, the PCR test, of course, we don't yeah. have to drag that you know through the scrutiny because a lot of good people dr kaufman dr cowan oh. you know a lot of notables have really done a great job and you know we work in in similar circles with all those folks and um we 
talk more about that later. But they've done a good job just crushing the whole virus theory. Now, when I used to do my ionization analysis, which uh, what I was telling you about, you know, with the soil and the body and the mm-hmm. electricity, mm-hmm. one of the things that I would do with that set of laboratory uh, assessment is I would be able to measure cell debris. And cell debris are the amount of dead cells. And when the ratio of dead cells exceeded a certain amount, we knew there was more people dying than people, you know, being reborn on a cellular level. And that, you know, is very informative if you know how to look at that. Now, that cell debris, you know, they're old damaged cells. Uh, you know, they're spent, but there is genetic material from the cells. And now those interact with live cells in the body. And in the body, they will uh, um, stimulate natural ecological process processes in our body because we are a self-maintaining self-correcting environment ecology and those would stimulate processes that would then instigate stem cell production or the manufacture of certain solvents to clean out you know the connective ground matrix or um uh, exosomes that would then invaginate, uh, you know, endosomes would invaginate in the, through the cell and then expel exosomes out there that would have all sorts of other messaging, um, you know, uh, functions that help the body heal in a myriad of ways. So if you were to take the virus theory, um, you could kind of say that, well, that the cell debris and a number of other things we could talk about could kind of fit the bill of their theory, but they are healing, uh, you know, self-correcting mechanisms in the biological order. They are not pathogens and they are just remnants of our own cellular material. But unfortunately, that circulating DNA uh, has been appropriately used to foster a lot of bad things. Because of the intervention, you mean with drugs and uh, pharmaceuticals or whatever, right? Yeah. Now we get to, you know, based on that, we get to, um, you know, convince the population that, you know, there's weapons of mass destruction and we go, you know, bomb the crap out of everything. And, you know, the medical model is exactly the same. But what I hear you saying, the bottom line is with the Lanka-Kaufman model, and we'll talk about the... uh, the film that you're in that's going to be coming out too called Terrain. So we we just don't catch anything, do we? We don't, not, do we catch anything? No. Nothing. Nothing outside of well, us. Well, you catch. Nothing no. outside of us can come into our, let's see, we have to allow it in our state of consciousness for anything to affect us anyway, right? Spiritually, mentally, emotionally. Don't we have to say, yeah, I want that, or that's okay, or come on in. Don't we? Yeah. Nature does not create pathogens. It does not create disease. And I was telling you, we did a recent presentation where we wanted to take that bioterrain germ theory debate, you know, and the the ones that still want, even a lot of the people in the alternative movement that are saying, no, you can't force us to do things. There's some controlled op there and they're trying to keep us in the virus germ box, but just saying, hey, but it's against your rights. Well, no, we need to go the next step and not just, uh, we've already proved that microbes don't cause disease. They'll create symptoms, 
uh, you know, decomposting and cleaning up. They're going to make you feel bad, uh, but they're just trying to do their job. They're not making you sick. In fact, they're your best friends. And if you knew what to do, they wouldn't have to do that and make you feel bad in the first place. <laughs> but if you work with them, all the symptoms will go away anyway. If you knew what to do. So, That's um, great. If you knew what to do, just let them alone. They'll be fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, by the same token, disease doesn't yeah. exist either. Disease is a another uh, fiction, we'll say. Yes, so if you have a belief system that is overlaying the resonance of your overall energy field, yes. that is going to be a prism now where those um, vectors from pure consciousness and from you know the larger um, conscious uh, universal intelligence, we'll say, when it comes into our personal field, it has to bend through that prism. So it's going to be distorted and it will not be allowed to um, just manifest to perfection that it would naturally do without us putting out one bit of effort if we just get out of the way. Wow, that's really beautifully uh, uh, stated the way you said it. So this prism, and not prison, but it's close, right? P-R-I-S-O-N or prism. Um, mm -hmm. This is in our state of consciousness, like in our aura, maybe. So when Divine Spirit comes down and want to make us more peace-loving hippie bee type, it's got to go through all the different medical or mm, mental, emotional, spiritual, mm, misappropriational, whatever things we're putting out there to come in, right? We just... It, we're blocking it. We're we block it. That's really it's an electronic overlay matrix. Electronic overlay and matrix. I like that. Wow. Yes, it's literally a matrix because mm -hmm. it's a crystalline matrix, just like all life forms, vegetable, animal, mineral. We're all uh, composite of crystalline structures made from electrical vectors, mm. and so it has to go through those you know that's what you call free will we can you know put anything in the way that we want uh but then you know as it hits the ground it keeps us locked in this matrix of our own making and we just get to cook inside of that and not be exposed to you know what would heal us in the first place we get to cook inside of that that's pretty interesting kind of a <laughs> term and that's right? what we're doing right now yeah you cook inside of that <clears throat> is it just a matter of just letting go of that idea and many ideas and then it's gone, isn't it, Bear? It is that simple. The thing that's <clears throat> not that simple is they really prey on fear and their masters at cultivating that fear. And so, uh, you know, imagine you're walking up to somebody who's hanging on the edge of a cliff, you know, and they're white knuckling and you just say, hey, just let go. Um, you know, that's basically what you're asking people to do when they have these deep fear engrams that have implanted over lifetimes and since birth this time around. Right. So it is a very intense personal process. And, you know, a lot of people just aren't willing to go into the center of that fear, which would very quickly tell them that there's nothing to be afraid of um, in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. This whole idea of the subconscious is just really fascinating. Let me, let me do a little break here, okay? And then we'll come back uh, with Dr. Bear Paul Londo. His website is Alpha Vedic 
dot com, right? It's just two words or one word or alphabetic dot com. Yes, and an F, not a PH. And and I just uh, and I ordered some more of your teas. Wait, what's the name of that? Gulan, what's that? Gulan going What's that? What's that one? We have a line of teas that um, you know. One of our signature crops here is Jiao Gulan. It's uh, Jiao Gulan is a Western name, and it's a, a wonderful herb. That's that's why I really you know spent a lot of years just uh, learning and growing it, and, and really kind of mastering it in a way, so that we can grow that which is a tropical vine up here in the Pacific Northwest. And um, you know, it's a wonderful herb, and we make that the core uh, ingredient in a whole product line, mixed together with a lot of aromatic herbs and things, so they taste good too. Yeah, the one that I uh, have been using in almost amount is uh, is the one with um, for sleepy time. What's that one? Um, it's, it's real aromatic. That's got yeah, and it, it has some some things that are good for rest. Right? What's um, what are some of the herbs in there? Well, it's got, um, you know, uh, traditional herbs like uh, chamomile yeah. and mint and a number of other things that are very calming to the nervous system. So it's just a nice one. But so um, We've got a, a bunch of new yeah. ones coming out. But that's, So this Jiao Gulong is not a, is it a green, it's not a stimulating kind of a thing, herb at all, like green tea can be? It's unique. No, there's no caffeine. Yeah. It's unique in that uh, it'll take you both ways. You can take it before bed. It'll relax you. You mm. can take it in the morning. It's very stimulating in a natural way. Huh. And, uh, you know, in uh, in Southeast Asia where in, in Southern China, you know, where that was very popular, they called it poor man's ginseng. And they said it's just like ginseng, only better. And um, and then the, the saying is, you drink a cup of this tea a day and you live to be 100 years old. So, And there's been studies on people in those populations and they've, you know, a lot of things like that. But they say, yeah, this, this tea seems to be a factor in their health. And you grow, but, you, uh, you, you grow the Zhao Gulong yeah. there. So that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And how many of these different teas yeah. do you have now? I just, I'm waiting. I think today or tomorrow I'm going to get my next uh, order from you. How many of those different teas do you have? The Zhao Gulong. Of the, uh, we call it the Immortality Tea Line. Yes. And there's five of those. Wow. So we're going to introduce five more uh, very soon. We have them ready to go. Then we have five uh, other kinds of tea preparations. Um, we call them our thermogenic. And those are actually have some caffeine in them, but they're designed to. Um, I think the bulletproof method is is kind of a, I don't know if it's a copyright thing, but it's that sort of thing where you mix them and you you, you mix them with uh, grass-fed butter or or uh, coconut oil, and oh, cool. they, they taste delicious. So it sustains the caffeine in it, so you don't get that up and down, and actually does good things, good metabolic reset, and they they taste delicious. So oh, cool. we have those uh, as well. So we'll have about fifteen different kind of herbal you know drinks. Yeah, what fun. Yeah, the, the the one oh I have it right here. This is this one here. Yeah. Uh this is the uh, chamomile dreams, Jagulong, uh with chamomile and uh lemongrass and zinc and boy, and this this guy I you know, I can even take this in the morning too, and it it's not like it makes you go to sleep or anything. It's pretty fun. Yeah. It's yeah. Good for digestion, good for a lot of things. Yeah. Alpha Vedic. These are beautiful little packages you got here too. I like it. I don't even remember which ones I've ordered. <laughs> so, you. yeah. Okay, so uh, let's do a little break here and uh, uh, we'll be right back with our guest. 
I spend a lot of time in the outdoors, but I do live in the temperate zone. Wintertime means that we're just not getting adequate sunlight to produce enough vitamin D. Even if we went outside and exposed ourselves to the sun, there's just not enough UV because of the angle the sun is at. A lot of people live in urban environments where buildings effectively act like canyons, blocking sunlight. We wear a lot more clothing than ever before. And now with things like lockdowns, people are simply not spending as much time outside getting exposure to sun. So if you're not getting adequate vitamin D, you can end up with chronically low levels, just like almost half of the American population. And that's pretty scary because vitamin D3 deficiency has been implicated in many forms of cancer and negative outcomes from things like flu and COVID. So it's really crucial that we keep our dietary vitamin D3 up. And because a lot of the traditional foods like liver and other organ meats that we used to eat that were rich in vitamin D3 are no longer really represented in our diet, we need some kind of high quality vitamin D3 supplement. That's why I love D3K2 Sir Thrival's Daylight Concentrate. It's naturally sourced vitamin D3 from sheep's lanolin and K2 from Japanese natto. That's the most natural supplement you're gonna find anywhere. And at 270 doses per bottle, this is an incredibly good value. Easy to take, just two drops a day. Get one for you, get one for your family members. And also from Daniel, he is, um, uh, we have the elk velvet on sale. And this is one of my faves. You can also make some of this tea and put this in your smoothie with the colostrum. Listen to this, this is fun. For my first meal of the day, I like to make a blended drink, and I'm always basing my blended drinks around colostrum. Colostrum adds so much creamy flavor and texture that if you don't have it, smoothies start to seem a little bit watery to me. Now I'm gonna be combining it with a bunch of other ingredients, but it really is the all-star. Colostrum has so many health benefits. Probably it's best known for its effects on the immune system. There's actually an article in PubMed showing colostrum to be three times more effective against flu and flu symptoms than flu vaccines are, even in high-risk patients. It's incredible for fighting flu and other viral type infections. It's also really good for building lean muscle mass. In fact, it contains all 89 of the known mammalian growth factors. It's also very good for the gut lining. So people who suffer from things like Crohn's, IBS, uh, leaky gut syndrome, a lot of those folks are using colostrum in the regenerative process to heal and restore their gut lining. And one of the things I love about it is that it's a complete food. So colostrum contains everything a mammal needs to thrive. It contains all of the essential amino acids. It contains all of the essential lipids or fats. It contains all of the glyconutrients. Those are essential sugars that we need for our immune function. So it's got all of that and all those growth factors, which means this is really a complete food for human beings or for any other mammals. Tastes great. It's got the fuel I need to get through the day, and it's got all those added health benefits thanks to the colostrum too. And the colostrum is yummy, even though the whole viral thing doesn't really work. But we won't tell Daniel that. No, it's you know it's, it's really fascinating, isn't it? I mean, uh, I'm not criticizing Daniel for you know talking about it like that, but it is so in our consciousness, isn't it? This idea that um, there are something floating around there. And again, not criticizing anybody. It yeah. really is. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Um, you, you know what I mean, Jelly Bean? Good here. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. I didn't know if uh, I didn't want to interrupt anything there. No, that's all right. Um, 
Yeah, the classrooms are great, uh, great stuff. I, I love it. And um, yeah, Daniel, I love Daniel. He's got some good stuff. I, I haven't seen his D3 product there. You've got some great sponsors. And, you know, the great thing about um, our industry is people like Daniel, myself, we got into this a long time ago because we have a passion for what we're doing. Yeah. And it's very different than the conventional marketplace where it's just about the bottom line. You know, sure, we need to finance ourselves like anybody else. But behind the scenes, we're all kind of friends and support each other. And, you know, we all have our unique products and people find, you know, what resonates with them best, you know, whether it's Daniel's company or my company or somebody else. It doesn't matter. There's plenty for anybody. You know, we aren't out there mass producing things. And Colostrum, I'll be the first one to tell you, it's great stuff. Uh, I use it in, in my smoothies, actually. Yeah. And... Um, and it works in a number of ways that maybe just uh, there's a way to maybe take it a little bit out of the germ theory context mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and understand that it's really building, uh, you know, the resilience of your body in other ways so that you don't succumb to what people would then later blame on microbes just because they're, you know, they're trying to clean up the mess at the scene of the crime. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well said. Yeah, thanks for that. Explain it like that. So... Um, let's talk about, so what does the bioterrain mean? What is it? And how, how can we make it happier? So bioterrain medicine, or let's just start, start with bioterrain first. It's no different than taking a walk in the woods where nobody's ever been before. You know, things are pretty content out there. You know, you see different species getting along fine and mutually supporting each other. You know, everybody's part of the, the life cycle and there's no conflict. Uh, there's no disease. I mean, that would be, you know, uh, what would happen everywhere if we just left things alone. So we haven't left things alone inside and outside of our bodies. So bioterrain medicine is about using different technologies and, um, and investigative modalities so that you can understand what in the bioterrain is out of balance. And rather than treating a disease, you're treating the ecology and bringing the ecology back to its pristine state. And we have a number of criteria that we base that on. Number one, electricity. You know, if the electricity is following certain lines of least resistance, we know things are going to be pretty happy. If there's proper microbe uh, populations, uh, you know, innate to the human body that I can see, uh, you know, in people's blood under the microscope, uh, you know, then that's a good sign. If uh, certain ones are stuck in higher valence or life cycle forms that suggest certain kinds of uh, inappropriate, inappropriately prolonged, um, you know, interventions with these microbes because they can't just get in, do their job and be done with it, but they have to hang out forever, uh -huh. which creates problems. Then I can see that in the blood. Then mm. I can treat that appropriately, uh, you know, with hands-on techniques, with osteopathy and things, you know, you can feel and, and uh, you know, meridian therapy, you can, you know, see what's going on on that mechanical level, you know, if the cerebral spinal fluid that's responsible for bringing down the electrical vectors that, you know, are triggered in the third ventricle uh, between the pituitary and the pineal, you know, if those, uh, you know, functional structural forms are moving properly, then you have the circulation, a lot of things are happier. So, uh, the, the meridian system, you know, I always had to, you know, really 
pay a lot of attention through the um, uh, the context of traditional Chinese medicine because those 12 meridians are what's responsible for maintaining a homeostasis between ourselves in the outer environment. Again, 12 basic meridians that, you know, reflect the, the 12 constellations. We we're talking about the 12 cell salts. So it all comes back to the same thing. And then within, uh, within the body, within every different tissue, there are little micro circulation systems that have their own geometrical flow, just like a meridian in the body. We know, you know, starts one place, ends in another, same thing in, in any tissue or organ of the body. And so different radiesthesia techniques techniques, you know, I'll use to really see if those patterns are proper. Um, and radiesthesia can be anything from um, uh, a Lecker antenna, we call it, you know, which was developed by a physicist that, you know, can measure those uh, more subtle electronic fields or biogeometry and a number of things. So you have to, you know, complete doctoring is about putting all these things together. And we don't have medical schools it even come close to that, which is why I had to do all that school nonsense in the first place. Figure it and out. most of those schools uh, didn't even teach me what I needed to know, which is why I had to go get under the wing of some old timer that, you know, had old school knowledge. Yeah. Do you, but you're, you're out there in the middle of nowhere off the grid. Uh, do you still work with patients now? I mean, do you, do you have clients now that you work with all of this cool stuff that you figured out? No, I don't. Um, uh, well, between you and I, you know, occasionally I'll work with somebody. Um, they'll fly in from some other place just because there may be somebody that I've known for 30 years and right. helped them out. And, but they would come to you uh, in, but, into your jungle. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm. yeah or, uh, you know, with the radiosthesia, I can do things at a distance because when you get into the understanding of waveform mechanics, you understand there is no time and space. And uh, with these techniques, you can measure those things and manipulate um you know, those same things that are creating the after effects of mm -hmm. what we think of as our biology and chemistry in the first place. So I'll do that and just enough also so I can keep developing different techniques. But most of all, we're going to go into more teaching mode uh, once we finish some uh, facilities in this new uh -huh. farm we're at. We are live here this afternoon. It is the 18th of January. Our uh, 800 number thing isn't working. We have a piece of equipment that's having a bad hair day that's being repaired. But you can... Uh, Email Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. We have a couple of good emails, but you can join in with more emails before we uh, leave uh, Bear Paul Lando. Um, so is there, Bear, is there ever a, a, a time in your, your reality where you, you advise or you want to go in and try to kill anything? Like a, you know, kill something like a bacteria or a fungus or, I don't know, is there ever time? Is that ever warranted? Extremely rare, <laughs> but it has happened back in my in the old days. In the old days, but not now. Not now. You don't do that. No, because I, you know, I shut down my clinic a good number right. of years ago and haven't. You know, I see a lot of people every single day, and, and over a forty-plus year of clinical practice, I saw thousands of people. Wow. That's how you learn. Yeah. You know, that's how you really, and you, uh, you could describe uh, 
about trained medicine also as functional medicine. So rather than quibbling about minutia that's based on theories, you know, I keep my ear to the ground and I read that stuff because there is some value to it. But when you're in a clinical situation, stuff works or it doesn't. It's the same as farming mm-hmm. outside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, real quickly, theories either explode or hold their water, uh-huh. one or the other. And uh, so functional medicine, the, the way I would go about it with the testing and, and processes is to understand and have a direct communication, different modes with the body where I could see what it needs rather than uh, following some recipe based on a theory, whether it's a naturopathic theory or a conventional theory. But the bioterrain, it, it gets really happy with the right nutrition, what I'm understanding, the right nutrition, the right... So that that definitely uh, is a major factor. You know, if you're putting a lot of junk in your body and or just too much good food, period, then you have all sorts of fermentation and accumulations and, you know, hmm. requires your other mechanisms to go into f- composting mode. And a lot of that would happen seasonally. You know, we uh, have to compost, you know, when the winter months come around. That's why traditionally you get the flu, not the flu. You didn't catch anything. It's just you're following the cycles of nature. Now that's happening more around the clock with people because we're exposed to, you know, this 5G and pharmaceuticals and bad food and GMI and everything. But it would surprise people to know that 70% of the nutrition we derive is uh, – Directly from the atmosphere. Seventy percent, just now, directly from God, or whatever you want to call it. Just yes. Whoa. Yeah, and if <laughs> if that sounds far fetched, just understand that everything we eat is a product of these inorganic elements we're talking about, that are the electrical capacitors. They receive the resonance, and when they're in the bloodstream, the cell picks those up, and then in combination with organic matter that we can also get from the atmosphere as well as our foodstuffs, it's more efficient to get right out of the atmosphere, then that's conjugated with those inorganic elements or under their direction, and then the body renews and maintains itself, you know, and it should just be building a brand new body every single day. But um, hmm. when we operate a little less efficiently, then, you know, we, we don't get as much from either source, either atmospherically or through the food we eat that's why it's nice to supplement with at least those 12 builders so that in our bloodstream at all time the cells can can find what they do need and have less uh, debris in the you know in the aftermath that it has to clean up anyway and you know if you look at things uh, we'll say more alchemically uh, you know there's some basic elements in the atmosphere at all time hydrogen uh you could consider the fire element you know fire in the in the four levels of ethers and old school thinking is how and then if you extrapolate that to waveform mechanics like uh, what what walter russell taught us um you know that's kind of the pure thought from consciousness it creates heat so that's the fire element then the next one down um you get nitrogen 
and you know uh, nitrogen you could look at as the air element and then oxygen the next one down which gets more into what we call fixed elements versus the first two that are volatile elements those are alchemical terms um, that would be the water element and then carbon is the earth element so if you understand mechanically how that translates from the atmosphere you'll have uh, certain ammonia substances from the first two levels, uh, sorry if this gets too geeky, but just get the the principles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the hydrogen and the nitrogen actually create an, an effect to create ammonia compounds. And then there's really a, sort of a fermentation on a subtle level in the atmosphere when it comes, uh, you know, in conjunction with water. And then that uh, goes down to the next level to create what we think of as life on the ground here within the matrix, which is the carbon element. So if you understand those from a Western chemistry mindset, now you can take those old alchemical principles and actually make practical application from them. Now they used to in their alchemical labs too, but now we can make it work for our Western analytical minds and actually contribute to what they knew all the time. But when it comes to nutrition, it explains how you get things directly from the atmosphere. Uh, Directly from the atmosphere or the ether or divine spirit or whatever, chi. So Mm -hmm. the more from our listeners' uh, viewpoint around the world watching this, the more that they kind of trust what you've just said and let go of ideas that are contrary to that, that allows more of it to come in and we don't have to understand what you just said. (laughs) Right? Exactly. (laughs) And some of us who went down these roads, we just came in with a little bit of something right on the tip of our tongue, but couldn't tell you what it was. Right. Which is why I just had to keep, you know, with my studies, seeing around the next bend and then also putting it to experience and proving these out into my own experience. Uh, But if you understand some of these things, uh, really a fourth grader could understand them. And the the problem with adults is we have more to unlearn than we need to learn. So everything I'm describing, if you take away all the terminologies, chemistry, it's very simple mechanics and it if we were you know just left on our own we'd kind of come to the conclusion that it sort of makes sense and then if we lived our lives according to natural law that's based on these understandings life would be pretty sweet yeah baby petra wants to know this great question are there any foods in dr londo's world like meat or grains or dairy that are just not the best foods for us thanks for having them on Yeah, good question. Great question. And I think diet is one of the most controversial things out there. Uh, I've done every extreme in the book, just using my own body as a laboratory. Um, You know, I was uh, classic, um, you know, in my athletic days, I was 285 pounds. Muscles, man. I see your pictures on your website. Yeah, you're a muscle guy. Yeah, and then... (laughs) <laughs> and then later on in life, I, I went through years at a time being a 100% raw food vegan. Now I'm in kind of a 
Yeah. And now I'm in more of just something that works for me in this phase of life, which is, you know, plant based, but, uh, you know, a little raw milk and stuff thrown in there. Uh So I'm not a strict vegan type either. So uh, as far as diet, I would, uh, you know, we did a little presentation on that too. And what I favor is the transitional diet. In other words, there's no right or wrong diet. What you have to find is what works for you because every phase of life has different requirements different mindsets and levels of consciousness will dictate different dietary needs. And, uh, you know, when somebody adopts a diet based on more of a philosophical ideology without acknowledging that your body, your biology maybe has uh, certain efficient um, attributes based on, you know, its uh, belief systems that it grew up with, Uh, based on enzyme systems and chemical um, predispositions based on what you've been doing most of your life with your diet. And then you try to make a radical change because you think, oh, vegan or, you know, straight Uh carnivore paleo is the way to be. That's not the way to adopt a diet. And, you know, if any diet was a perfect diet, then in my clinical experience, I wouldn't have seen over the number of years the same diets recycling every 10 years and being the new fad, then going away a new one, and then the old one recycles. A lot of the existing trends now we saw years ago. So you really have to introspect what your needs are and honor your chemistry. You have to honor your mindset. And you can't go with uh, you know a fad or with a diet guru And of course, you have your own personal laboratory. And if you just experiment a little bit, you know, kind of tipping a uh, dipping a toe into the water rather than making radical changes like I used to do, because I'm a bit of an extremist, you know, you, you know, it's not always the healthiest thing. And a lot of people that I saw that would come in in my clinic, um, you know, okay, I'm more plant based vegetarian, but there's a lot of people that, okay, that might be a good diet for you eventually, but you have to maybe work yourself into that and go through baby steps so that your body can accommodate it and you know ex- uh, be efficient enough to extract what it needs out of. And then also our emotional body is a huge, huge factor. And uh, you know you have to honor that as well. So uh, yeah. long story short, yeah. I favor the transitionary diet. So we're always in transition. We're always, we're always, you know, what is it about, I I wonder where you could try a a different kind of food or something and it seems to work for maybe two or three weeks and then stops. Do you, do you have any theories or experience with that? Sure. Well, a lot of diets work for people because prior to that diet, they had no rhyme or reason to what they're doing, uh, you know, no predictability that would uh, honor the cycles, the biological cycles that happen in our body daily. Um, they were maybe not eating the greatest quality food. So any type of diet where they're just being a little bit more conscious about what they put in their mouth is going to pay good dividends. Uh, a lot of people too, the same thing with healthcare. They say, yeah, when I first 
you know, stepped away from conventional care. I went to a chiropractor and I just had my weekly adjustment and it was miraculous. And then they'll come and they'll say, but boy, it doesn't work like it used to. It's not that that adjustment is worse than it used to be or, or that that tool is no good. It just means that you are now ready, you know, your, your consciousness, your body um, the biology, uh, uh, an embodiment of that consciousness is just saying, okay, time to go to the next yeah. step of your experience yeah. and broaden your horizon a little bit. So you got to keep the ball moving downfield. Which is a, a great argument for what you uh, so eloquently talked about a, a few minutes ago, that if we get into a mental construct about anything, doing this or that, then it just gums up the works, right? <laughs> just say, well, I need to be eating this because that's what, Bear said, or that's what Patrick said, or that's what Daniel Vitalis said, or you know David Wolf, whoever, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it just will and kind of stops it. That's why, in my clinical approach, I you know believed in bringing a full tool belt to the job because um, with some people, you know, and we had ways to assess their needs and sequentially know mm-hmm. what to do in what order. That's very important, by the way. Um, but there's no one tool that's better than the other. So, uh, you know, you hear all the time, oh, I went to a chiropractor and it did work. The same person will go to the same chiropractor and say, oh, he's great. Uh, same thing with acupuncture or anything you can think of. Well, those are modalities. They're single tools. Now, how about if we have a full tool belt and have a way to assess what to use when and how to orchestrate them together, not just do a kitchen sink approach either. You know, the old masters in Asian medicine, they were setting bones. They were master herbologists. They could read your energy like a book. Mm. Uh, they knew all these principles within their own uh, kind of um, cultural metaphors that we're talking about in waveform mechanics, you know, like when they talk about the elements and you translate the, like the, the, the old Bibles of Chinese medicine going back uh, the Sean Honolulu thousands of years ago when they talk about, you know, certain elements are talking about actual tonal fields. And you can actually put keynotes on these tonal fields, fire element, you know, C sharp. Uh, you know, things like that. So we're all talking the same thing. We just have to understand how to, you know, uh, culturally cross-reference and all get on the same page so we can put our heads together and, you know, figure this thing out. Indeed. Uh, a lot of people are well on their way to that. Indeed. Here's an email from Pat. She lives in New Rochelle, New York. I bet it's a pretty place. Love Dr. Bear. I like listening to, to a True Life Wizard. He mentioned an Enderlin remedy from... Symbiopathic, and was considering how I could obtain them as it requires a practitioner's prescription. Do you know what she's talking about? Yeah, um, you know, those protids we're talking about, um, if you need particular ones in your body, uh, you know, to replenish the, the microorganism populations, which are the little worker bees in our body, Uh, those isopathic preparations which have the proteins from that seed form and then when you download them you know when you take them uh, then you can actually see them in a microscope Uh, they look a certain way and then those can actually pleomorphically change into these other you know bacterial fungal and all sorts of phases in between Um, there is a great company up in Canada called Symbiopathic you do need a practitioner's license however there are certain companies online that if you um, do a search, I'm trying not to say Google these days. Yeah. If you do a search, 
Duck, duck, go. Um, you duck, know, duck, on go. Symbiopathic, <laughs> you know, then you can find other sites. They'll just have you register and then you can get it from there. Um, back in the day, I used to, uh, you know, get injectable forms and other forms that have had a, you know, much more of a dramatic punch, um, you know, because we had urgent situations and I would get those direct from Germany. There were companies that were um, bringing those over into the States uh, had to fight with the FDA forever, but finally succeeded in making them available for stateside physicians. And now, of course, the FDA said, ah, we changed our mind and now you can't get them anymore. But some of us have uh, little avenues to work sure. around all that nonsense. But if you're out there, the the drop form are the most mild, gentle, and easiest to use for the layperson. You can even look and use them symptomatically, although that's not the highest use for them. And uh, you can get those as I described. So uh, how would you, if you found these sympiopathic things, how would you know which ones to get or use or play with? Well, let's just say um, we live in a world where we're in a, um, constantly embattled with microwave frequencies. Uh-huh. Uh, what that's going to do is create a lot of blood agglutination, blood cell agglutination, which is, you know, that things stick together. And it's like three guys trying to get out of the same doorway at the same time, you know, mm-hmm. and they're trying to get down those terminal uh, capillaries and deliver oxygen. So it would be a good way to improve our microcirculation by taking one of those preparations called mucor racemosis. Muco? Uh, available from... Mucor, M-U-C-O-R, Rasimosis. second word, R-A-C-E-M-O-S-I-S. Mm-hmm. Um, that is an organism that lives inside of us. The symbiopathic form is just a little protein variety. You download those, <laughs> and they are going to um, help the microcirculation greatly. Or let's just say somebody gets the roll up your sleever, which has things in there that cause the same thing, only even more dramatically the mucor racemosis can really help adjust the viscosity of the blood. By the way, uh, um, another thing you could do is cell salt called calcium muriaticum is uh, responsible for um, distributing the fibrin elements in our body so that they are distributed where they're necessary and, and not where you don't need them. And in these roll up your sleevers, you know, you're getting these uh, uh, accumulations of fibrin and things. And if you make sure you have ample calcium muriaticum, which is just potassium chloride, uh, then it's going to help along with the mucor to adjust the blood viscosity. And, you know, since the whole thing, is about getting oxygen to the tissues these days because we're compromised in every way. You can throw them a little ferrum phosphoricum, which helps the blood corpuscles uh, deliver more oxygen in the first place. Uh, when the last time we were on, you talked about the cell salts, and I kind of just, my whole life didn't feel like these things would do anything, right? These little, these little things that are dissolved. And after talking to you, then somebody sent me a website, and I'm not sure where I got it there, but it was, you could look and see which one is the best for the time you were born. Right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, exactly. I, I got some, and I have it downstairs, and I'm not sure which one it is, but I got those. But what about the one that the, has all of the cell salts? Is that a good one to take? What is that called? 
it's a good kitchen sink formula. Is it? And if nothing else, it's a way to just make sure you're getting all, all of them. But you would be um, people would be amazed at how much uh, you could resolve in the body by doing the astrological approach. Astrological. So let's say, Whoa. yeah. For instance, uh, if you don't mind, uh, what month were you born? Uh, November, November seven. Ooh, a Scorpio. Scorpio, yeah. Okay. So you would, um, you know, your constitutional remedy, which has to do with the exact birth month, that's your constitutional remedy. You are going to tend to need more of that one. And so the folks don't uh, misconstrue this. We're not doing dope stuff. Right. We're doing physics and based on the geometrical, you know, factors created by the resonance okay at the time so, you were born yeah okay. so calcarea sulfuricum yeah would be a great one for you that's your constitutional remedy i think that's one i purchased because i saw that on the website but i'm not sure i'll have to look. Oh, okay i'm not okay. sure but that's so my constitutional you're born yeah yeah so now you're born <clears throat> in a certain month you're conceived, you know, if you go around okay. and, you know, figure out nine months, but then there's those three months that you are out of the womb. Now, when you're in the womb, you're going to tend to get a lot of these if mom's, you know, at least fairly decent health. So, you're going to have more of a tendency towards a deficiency for those three months between conception and birth. Between the first three months after conception? So... You're conceived, right? You go nine months right. through the constellations. You're born, and now if you go backwards, right. like the next one for you uh, would be Sagittarius, right? I don't know. I think. Yeah. Okay. So that's going to be Cilicia. You could really benefit from that one. Which one? Um, Sagittarius, which is Cilicia. Cilicia. Not yeah, sure. um, I, I wish I had some laying around here. I'm not sure if I've ever seen that so, one, but oh, Scylla, how do you spell it? Yeah, that? that's one of the 12 cell salts. Oh, it is, Scylla Ceta. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll take some of that. And then you go back another another horoscope? Yeah, now you, you find yourself in Capricorn, Yeah. which is Calcarea Phosphoricum. Hmm, cool. Really good for laying down bones and everything. Yeah. Uh, your constitutional remedy is really good for cleaning out the, you know, the, the matrix from stuff that might be accumulating in there. Those are the ones you could really need. So now if you go one step further and find yourself in Aquarius, which is another one that would be great for you, you know, that combining those three months, uh, then you're going to have um, uh, natrium phosphoricum. Uh -huh. Uh, no, I'm sorry, muriaticum, which is uh, very good for uh, distributing fluids in the body. Natrium uh, muriaticum, or calcium, is it calcium? Yeah, or natrium yeah. muriaticum, yeah. Na natrium, which is uh, sodium, muriaticum, sodium. which is chloride, just sodium chloride. Um, now, if you take the three natriums, those have to do with uh, you know, more with fluid distribution, hmm. uh, the, the, the calliums, uh, the potassiums, uh, you know, uh, that you see in the lineup, those are going to, uh, have a, a good amount of functions. You're distributing fibrin, uh, connecting the electrical spark between the, the two master glands up there that starts the whole shebang going in Aries, uh, you know, that starts the whole embryological cycle of the Zodiac in the first place. You know, you were talking about, um, 
Masonic teachings yeah, and all yeah, that sort right. of thing. Uh, I think when we first started, well, you know, the original Masonic teachings, just like all the scriptures, the Bible, um, you know, everything imaginable, when you go into every culture without exception, when you decipher them from their cultural metaphors and from their secret, you know, uh, handshakes and all that, and before things like the, the Masons were infiltrated by the dark side of the force, when they were talking about building, rebuilding the temple, the temple of Solomon, it was about the physical temple, the body. And the biggest secret that's been kept from us in all those hmm. things, which are not kept from us because they're right in our face if you know how to decode them, but they've been kept from us in that certain select things have been hidden and then other things have been deliberately misinterpreted like, oh, say, the Vatican, you know? Yeah. And so, through our misunderstandings, we don't understand what they were trying to tell us, which is our temple, our biology is extremely important. And the reason why we embody on this plane in the first place Otherwise, there'd be no reason to, you know, have a physical temple is so that we can be in this whole uh, harmonious resonant field that becomes a capacitor that can receive the pure, unadulterated spirit that allows us to create heaven on earth and have a very wonderful experience um, to expand the awareness of our soul you know, in the, in the longer journey, and it doesn't have to be, in fact, it was never designed to be, from what I can see, from what everybody tells us, is it was never supposed to be the school of hard knocks in the first place. So, but if we're <laughs> ignorant to these simple truths, uh, you know, now we, you know, and, and then, you know, people infiltrate like the Masons, and it becomes something totally different, and they keep the good stuff for themselves, and then, you know, manipulate us at the same time. Do you think there was a time like, Perhaps maybe Lemuria or back in the Golden Age when it wasn't the hard knocks thing? Do you think that that existed? There is a lot of ample historical evidence, archaeological evidence, mm -hmm. and uh, it would suggest just that. And if you get into certain teachings that, you know, have come down through the Rosicrucians uh, that then became the Theosophical movement and finally the Anthroposophical through Rudolf Steiner, and then uh, that segued into the so-called Ascended Master teachings with St. Germain in the 30s. It, by the way, said verbatim exactly what's happening right now. So, really? somebody knew something really? <laughs> uh, down to the detail. And, uh, you know, they all say the same thing, uh, which is we are now entering the third and final golden age. And this time it's going to stick. And there's a reason why it didn't stick the first couple times. And that is what the creature class is so paranoid of right now, is they're doing everything in their power to dampen our bandwidth of perception so that we cannot uh, really understand, you know, what's going on in this realm, what our role is, and then achieve that, you know, freedom at the level of the soul, which some people, you know, used to call the ascension. And uh, their whole goal is, uh, you know, just pure destruction. It's what, um, you know, Steiner talked about as far as the advent of Araman. And, yeah. and uh, yeah. you know, we've got all sorts of characters in political suits now that are actually behind the scenes uh, doing little rituals, including CERN and every, the, everybody else in the mix trying Harp, to, whatever. you know, allow a portal for this creature to embody and take over the earth, you know. So, it sounds fantastical, but that's actually what that's what's going on so we we are entering mm -hmm. and have been i think 
I think it feels like we started a couple of years ago into a golden age. And you, you believe oh. you believe it's going to stick this time. So it, it has to because it, you're talking about a little flea on the dog's back that thinks it's going to take over the whole machinery. We're talking about <laughs> universal forces. Yes. And then, you know, you have your little Hildebeeses and people like that that are doing their rituals and, you know, and, and, and doing unspeakable things. And they think they're going to override that with their, their little black magic tricks. No way. Not- <laughs> However, they will take a lot of people they're with gonna, them. Well, they're going to try, right? Up. And they're there for a reason, oh, right? Just like a good movie. In, they, in some ways, yeah. yeah. In some ways, they've already succeeded in taking some people with them. Yes, sir. But you have to understand, those of us that are drafting universal consciousness, that uh, packs a whole different wall up. And uh, it doesn't take very many of us. And we're pretty close to critical mass where the whole thing shifts and that whole nonsense goes away. And, and um, you yeah. know, we're, we're closer than we think. I really believe that. So then, in, you know, in a broad stroke, we can certainly easily argue that this whole COVID, whatever this nonsense was, is all part of the deal. I mean, without this, we wouldn't be waking up, right? We'd, a lot of us. And I told you, you know, in prior conversations that in my circles, we were told decades ago that at this exact time, there would be a biological false flag to do this. Whoa. And they could That's only right. do you it did- through a biological false flag. Ah. And so they needed, you know, and they incrementally get us into this, you know, present hysteria, you know, whereas you and I, when we were growing up, it's like, oh, you got the flu, just stay home. You got to eat jello and watch cartoons, you know, no big deal, you know, but now you need a flu shot. And, you know, so now everybody, oh my God, the flu, we need a flu shot. And then incrementally they bring us into Omicron. Yeah. Omicron. <laughs> like, and the Omicron. It's, it's cartoonish. So who again, what forces, what energies, or who told you about this 20 years ago, 30 years ago? Uh, I'll give you the cliff notes. Okay. Um, I was operating in different circles where we were putting on events where we would bring in a lot of speakers uh, that are actually some of them still well known today, like David Icke and folks like that, G. Right. Edward Griffin. Right. We would do offshore events with a lot of people attending. We had to do them offshore because if we did them onshore, the FBI would come in and raid us every single time. <laughs> now you can get a lot of that stuff online, although they're censoring us again, right? So, yeah. you know, but we had a little uh, window there where a lot of us were amazed. It's like, wow, we used to have to go away and you know learn this stuff. We also went down a lot of legal, lawful channels, uh, you know, and started challenging the judiciary because we knew that they were up to no good as well, and were an important component of the savings system. That led uh, me to because of some of my clients that were working at high levels of G seven banking and so forth. Yes, sir. Uh, and other types that were in the machinery and necessary cogs, but actually had a heart with warm blood. Um, I was brought into some of those circles, actually uh, involved in some international banking communities and on a board at one time. And through those um, experiences, 
also involve different levels of intelligence because they're not all bad behind the scene, most of them, but not all of them. And so through those channels, we had a lot of information, including, you know, knowing exactly two weeks ahead of time when 911 was going to wow. happen and so forth. Wow. So I got to be a fly on the wall with a lot of these people that worked in those circles because I met them when they came in as clients and then, you know, uh, you help them out, you become long friends and, you know, they don't go to hospitals, by the way, they know better. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, cool. that was kind of my life experience and I just wow. be at the right place at the right yeah. time. And so, yeah, we got a lot of phone calls ahead of time. <laughs> Here's I'm a, not the only one, yeah, by the way. I understand. Here's an email from KMF. Uh, what is cancer? Oh, simple, direct, classic question. Cancer is a biological accommodation that is working on behalf of our psyche and also on behalf of our biology. Let's take the simple biology first. Let's say you're exposed to some poisons, you know, maybe mm -hmm. you're breathing heavy metals out of the atmosphere and it's overwhelming the body's elimination systems. So it, the body will very cleverly sequester that into certain places. It can be put in joint capsules and then you have inflammation and the, the, the brilliant doctor says, oh, you have arthritis. Or maybe it's put, uh, you know, in some tissue, maybe in the liver or something, and it'll be sequestered along. Uh, you know, for a while, but after a while, there will be an anaerobic situation there without oxygen, things start fermenting and the body says, hey, we got to clean this thing up. So it'll be the, it'll do the most logical thing. It'll start growing extra cells, to create a mass because every cell is a set of lungs. It'll bring in more oxygen to arrest the anaerobic fermentation, turn the thing around. And then if you're, you know, smart at all on your own, you're going to be doing things to help it and to uh, eliminate the overwhelm on the um, filtering mechanisms and elimination systems in the first place so that that tumor can just come and go. Hmm. On another level, um, and this is where you get into new German medicine principles, um, and you know, you had Melissa Sell, who's marvelous, yeah, you know, that's her, her level of expertise. Yeah. Um, I did, um, you know, new German medicine for quite a long time. It's just part of the overall, you know, comprehending what's going on with people. If you have a psychological insult, um, that kind of triggers instinctual mechanisms in us that, you know, kind of mimic like what an animal wolf pack might be, uh, you know, just instinctually experiencing in their survival experience. But we kind of translate those to our social interactions, but it can create an insult in the psyche that then triggers a particular part of our biology uh, by way of triggering a brain system, which you can verify on a CAT scan, and then it'll create a growth in the body and ulceration or any other kind of ailment that would be inclusive of the entire medical taxonomy of disease. Um, so the, the, the reason why that happens is it's a biological mechanism that will help the body heal and go full circle, but then clear the psyche. So it gives the human species a distinct advantage to um, take care of that thing through you know, that, that psychological insult, uh, we call it a, a trauma, um, by way of our biology mimicking it. And it's, it's, it makes sense if you have a few hours to talk about it. And then the biology 
you know, by expressing that on behalf of the psyche, clears the psyche and gives us, uh, well, I was about to say, the advantage of, um, you know, raising up through the evolutionary scale beyond just instinctual reactionary animal behavior into a rational conscious uh, type of um, mm-hmm. existence. Well, that's, yeah, fascinating. Wow. Whoa. So do you then, do you think then that all these things they call disease do have, with German New Medicine idea, a trauma behind it at some point at the beginning? There has to be an emotional capacity. Has to be. There has to be. Has to and be. again, that's, and they, the, you know, the creatures understand that. That's why they always play on our emotions. <laughs> and if you go to those uh, levels of, you know, the electronic vectors as they come down in a cone shape and in a certain direction of spin to compress information, uh, you know, fields that originate from our consciousness into the matrix and then simultaneously radiate back up. So the whole, you know, movie frame just keeps going frame by frame to create what we think of as a physical experience. Um, we understand that one of those phases it has to go through is the emotional plane or some people call the astral plane because that emotional content gives the intensity to the thought form so that they can have the ability to outpicture in the matrix in the first place, because without that emotional content, electrical uh, vectors are just kind of like empty thought bubbles. Yeah, empty thought bubbles. Wow. Uh, this is from D. Could you please ask Bear if he could provide some insights and a couple of tips on how to approach successfully cleaning up some hardcore lymphedema in the cytoma uh, what is that? C Y T E M A C H Y L and thoracic duct areas. Do you understand what she's saying? Yeah, I do. Okay. Um, that goes back, um, maybe not a satisfying answer, but it goes back to the individual bioterrain. Uh-huh. And so you could see in clinic 100 people with that same symptom and that same diagnosis, you have to treat them all different. So if I was just talking to that individual on the street and, uh, you know, I might just have a little conversation uh, to understand a little bit more about their lifestyle, uh, their age, uh, their past history, get some clues from there, and then just start with simple lifestyle factors that everybody already knows these days, you know, sure. uh, or should know. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, maybe uh, doing a favor to uh, your body and making sure that it has all the elements that the cells need to rebuild themselves. That gets back into the cell salts, uh-huh. um, you know, and it maybe even just taking a 12 and one, if nothing else, I'd maybe, uh, since you're talking about the lymph system, you know, that's all an interconnected system with, uh, you know, the liver and the spleen. So maybe uh, take care of a little back uh, fill in the liver, you know, by doing some weekly coffee enemas, uh, you know, to just help dump there. That'll also raise some glutathione levels that will uh, help blood viscosity because glutathione helps break down, you know, the fibrous accumulations that affect blood viscosity, including the graphene oxide that's in the roll up your sleever. Um, you know, so 
drink plenty of water. I would uh, myself, if I was that individual, I drink distilled water mm-hmm. because distilled water is alchemically elevated. It releases the energy in the water molecule and it no longer is burdened by carrying minerals. It's not going to deplete your own minerals. That's an old wives tale. And uh, it's going to uh, have a higher, uh, uh, an elevated ability to purify your body. Um, it's going to be able to carry the minerals like the cell salts and things into the nooks and crannies more efficiently than regular water. So all those factors, uh, you know, that's going to really, those simple things, get out, exercise, and, you know, think double plus happy thoughts and forget about your diagnosis. You don't have a disease. You have symptoms that are based on imbalances in the bioterrain and just, you know, the simple, uh, you know, um, things can really help help you go a long way and you know you asked me earlier i didn't finish talking about it but you know you said are there is there ever a time when allopathic things uh can be um useful i would you know and i used to practice in emergency medicine so you know i'll say yeah there's some good stuff there but that's for every individual to decide and just like a diet you have to understand where you're at accommodate your own belief system and do things that are comfortable for you and uh you know just use things in a transitionary kind of nature so that you know someday you'll see yourself free and clear symptoms gone and you're independent of uh you know any kind of health system including the kind of stuff i do (laughs) and it's any kind of health system even you right (laughs) yeah well a good doctor is trying to do himself out of a job get it get him out of there uh andrew wants to know if you or Bear can give the website where it ties in with the astrological system and the cell salts. I don't know where I saw the one from my Scorpio. Do you know? Do you have? Do you know what that website hmm. could have been? Have you seen that? Um, Somebody sent it to me. I don't even. I don't think I still have. You no, know, I'm. I'm the worst. Uh, yeah, I'm like yeah, for me being too. current with all that stuff. Is on the internet. I just kind of learned through different channels a long time ago um okay so do this um i almost said the google word uh research on the internet (laughs) (laughs) um look up inez perry i'm sorry dr inez perry inez e-n dr inez perry i-n-e-z okay last name perry p-e-r-r-y okay i hope i'm not getting confused because she was a student of Dr. Carey, C-A-R-E-Y. I think I have them in the right order, Carey and Perry. And uh, you'll find books that uh, those two have authored, many books. And start there. Okay. Uh, so I know where you can get books you if you just do that simple search. Kind of yeah. dig in there. Somebody just sent me an email. Uh, they said, um, Santos Bonacci had the astrological signs of cell salts on his website. You know Santos? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, he's a great guy. Yeah, we had him on our podcast. I yeah. love Santos. He's a trip. Yeah. Um, That's why I think that somebody yeah, sent yes. me. Yeah. Yeah, so he, he did the same exact thing. He, he created a thing only in the reverse order. I haven't, uh, you know, had a, I actually had a conversation with him not that long ago, a few months ago, but I, we didn't get into that stuff. Um, I don't know his rationale for going into the reverse order on the astrological wheel, but he's a pretty smart guy. So I, 
but either way you get the same information oh by the reverse order he went three months forward on the from the birth to, from yeah, the he, birth, he, he kind of reversed and he he believes that that um i okay i'm answering my own question okay. as i think about it yeah. he believes that if you uh instead of going uh counterclockwise uh that actually it should be you know the opposite direction i and i hope i'm reflecting what he's saying i think it mimics more the way things really happen in the sky uh, more clockwise direction. rather than counterclockwise as you're doing Correct. Yeah, because he uses yeah. the same wheel, only you go in the same direction, but you get the same exact, you know, which ones to use. Well, how would you, though, if you're going to three months forward clockwise rather than three months backwards, when you're getting different months? Well, if you, you know, for instance, if the one I use, mm -hmm. um, it goes, <laughs> you know, Aries, Taurus, right, uh, right. Gemini, you know, in that direction. Now, instead, you'd go aries taurus gemini in that direction so it's the same oh. same guys in the same sequence oh cool i'm pretty yeah i'm pretty confident that's yeah. what he's doing and and again he's a smart guy so he has a he's reason pretty fun and yeah. he's you know he's he's mastered all that stuff at, at a high level he's pretty trippy yeah he's gonna be back on soon yeah. we've had him on a couple of times he's he, okay he, he's great man he's like oh, what a handful he is he's wonderful to talk oh, to. oh he'll uh he'll, he'll tell you what he thinks yeah he'll thrill you uh <laughs> what does your guest think about liver gallbladder flushes liver gallbladder flushes uh, I had a lot of clients in the past that were scheduled for gallbladder removals. And, you know, and after uh, about $20 worth of materials and a couple of weeks, they <laughs> took them off the surgery schedule because wow. they didn't need it anymore. Wow. So they yeah. work. There's a lot of different ones out there. The one I favored, um, I like to fast for three days. You don't have to do that, but at least lighten your load a little bit. Maybe just have an easier plant-based, you know, alive kind of diet for three days. Uh -huh. And each of those three days, you have some uh, apple juice, a quart of apple juice, because uh, apple juice has malic acid, which softens the gallstones. And most everybody has gallstones, mm -hmm. you know, even the healthiest of us. Yeah. And uh, that'll help kind of soften those guys. And then into the apple juice, you can put in 30 drops of phosphoric acid, which will really soften them even more. You do that for three days. And then uh, the, 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 the third night before you go to bed, you, you, you chug a, a cup of olive oil with some lemon juice, which is a lot of fun, you know, if you can do it without upchucking. And uh, then that will trigger your gallbladder, you know, very Ooh. intensely. And then it'll just spit out all those things. And uh, the next day, uh, you know, you'll have a lot of surprises in Mr. Tidy Bowl. <laughs> Isn't there a thing called fast food that you can take? Fast food? Similar? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can take... Yeah, same thing. So oh, you, uh, wait, fast yeah. food is an old... Um, that's an old standard process I think it's uh, a, remedy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you probably could use that. I would... And that's, you know, good. I used to use that stuff like ages ago. Yeah. I was, in, you know, um, old... Uh, what's his name? Royal... Uh, well, anyway, he, yeah. he's a smart guy. You know, old, real old school. Kind of a lot of good wisdom there. But um, the you know, phosphoric... We, uh, the, the fast food drops yeah. from other companies are going to have a little bit more of an intense effect and you can more readily put them in the um, in the apple juice. So that's just more convenient maybe. And they but just the soften up the stones, right? And then you do a yeah. cup of oil and how much lemon juice or 
Can you do grapefruit juice? Uh, just enough to get it down. Get it down. Yeah. You know, just to kind of cut the olive oil thing. Yeah. Hey, I, I'm an olive oil fan. I'm Italian like me too. you. So, yeah, yeah. you know, food is more of a carrier for olive oil for me. But when it comes to chugging a, a cup, wow. you know, straight, that's, it takes a little more fortitude for that. S- somebody taught me, have you ever seen these little round plastic straws they have at smoothie places? You ever see these guys? You know, they're straws. Oh, yeah. 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 So, and you put that puppy in there and put the straw all the way in the back of your throat. And then you just go, Ooh. and you put the olive oil right down and you don't taste it. It's pretty cool. You know what I'm saying? I've never tried that, That's but it re- sounds... It's really uh, fun. Do you have to keep sucking or do you create a siphon effect? No, you can you, you can stop and then take a breath and keep doing it. But if it doesn't touch your lips and your mouth and your, you know, your inside of your cheek and the taste buds, and it's, it's not as yucky as just drinking it, you know? Hey, whatever it takes to get it down. <laughs> whatever you get down. <laughs> oh, baby. And use Italian, uh, extra virgin, you know, whatever. Use the best stuff. Uh, so uh, Lynn wants to know, is bioplasma cell salt all 12 and be good to take as well? Yes. Yes. Okay. Same thing as the 12 in one. Different names, different companies. Yeah. Well, we've been through the the emails. Um, you know, one thing I've been doing, I want to ask you about, because I know you're a movement kind of guy, is uh, uh, is uh, I've been hanging, you know, hanging on a oh, yeah. bar. Have you done that? Boy, that's a trip. Uh, yeah, I've been doing that. I uh, I like to do both. What do you do? Um, like I think pull up? you've seen. Yeah. Yeah, well, when you hang, you know, of course, um, you know, it, it really, you know, for especially some like myself that has shoulder injuries from playing it's, stupid it's sports. It's hard on the shoulder, isn't it? Uh, yeah. yeah, it really it really helps stretch things out. It also allows the whole brachial plexus to breathe, you know, to create circulation. Uh, what I do, you can kind of see up in the corner of my picture here, just a handle. I, I have it uh, out of the way there, but it's a uh, yoga swing. And I hang upside down by my hips. Yeah, I've got so one of the. What oh, so I do you, is yeah. So you do this, right? Do poof. So pop I'll, over. I'll hang that way. Yeah, but then uh, when I swing out of it at the end, then I'll hold on to the handles and get that kind of stretch that you're talking about. So I like to hang in both directions. Yeah. Here. What about the those little contraptions that you can actually lie on and then and then you know what I mean. And then hang by your feet and all that. Do you think those are valuable? You know what I mean. What do they call you know, those? Some things? people like those, and yeah. I don't want to throw any cold water on those. Right. I'm not a fan because when you're lying on a board, yeah. and you know, go vertical, it's going to take the natural curves out of your spine. So you want to be able to maintain the natural lordosis in your, you know, and the kyphosis in your, <laughs> you know, your thoracic area and the lordosis. Kyphosis, I like that. I, I want some kyphosis. You yeah, want to say it's like, you know, it's like that. And and then the, the, the lordosis in your low back, you know, you want to have the traction effect, but allow the body to maintain its curve. So if you're on a flat surface, you flatten out and then it can put unequal pressures that don't belong on your spine because your spine is developed mm-hmm. to take a waveform pressure and not just be conformed to a straight line and then yank it. And then, and so what if you go it, all the yeah. way on those things? I think you can do it. So you're locked in and you're just kind of hanging by your feet with no board. Do you think yeah. that's valuable? 
I've done that and that's better. In fact, you know, uh, back in the old days, I had these boots I'd put on. Yeah, right. And I and it had hooks <laughs> and I'd uh, flip up uh, upside down on a chinning bar. Yeah. And I, yeah, it's okay like that. Now, some people, <clears throat> uh, depending on their joints, it may put a little too much pressure on their ankles. The thing that's really good about the yoga swing is that you know it hooks into your hips yeah and it doesn't put any pressure on your knees on your back on your ankles and it's the most gentle approach i think uh and you know it's really effective because you're not fighting against things that don't feel good so what do you uh, can you show do you have a picture of that you can show people what you mean uh no anyway a yoga swing uh, i can i can do it for you if you want sure yeah do it man i want to see it I mean, I don't know if this is appropriate, but... Um, Anything's appropriate. Okay, I'll probably make a full lot of what myself here, but hang That's on. right. Oh, look at that. Yeah, that's a good one. I have to make sure my uh, shorts don't fall off in the process. <laughs> yeah, don't do that way. because then we'd have to put it on right at, right at you know, X. <laughs> look at you. You got a good one. Oh, I didn't, I've never seen one of those with the handles. Yeah. Right, that's great. Whoa, I see how you do it. Yeah. So all the all the kind of pressures are kind of on your hips, right? On your hips. Exactly. Right, and then when you want to get out, you grab the, you grab the. Oh, then you, and hang, then you can uh, you hang that way, right? You know, lean forward. That's pretty cool. I want to get one. So I have an old one. I don't have this. You know, I don't have the handles like you do. That's fun. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> it isn't fun. You know, sometimes we talk. I talk to people who are, do all this stuff, and we just kind of laugh at all the silly stuff we do. You know, sticking things up our bum and. <laughs> Hanging. <laughs> That's correct. You know? uh, it's got to be fun. You know, the, yeah, all know. this health stuff, you know, people take it really serious, but have fun with it. Yeah. It's, it's not a, it's not a big thing. It's not a job. It's just, you know, do things you enjoy. I eat the way I eat because I enjoy eating that way. I don't do it because it's healthy for me. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and over the years, you just kind of gravitate to things that are more healthy and you know, um, exercise. Uh, exercise to me is not a chore; it's a luxury. Yeah. Uh, you know, get in and do. You know, I do my little martial arts drills, and it's just a great, great way to have your own space. And and I think uh, for the youngsters out there, the sooner you develop those habits, uh, you know, in your lifetime, then the easier it's going to be later on to maintain them and have a good degree of vitality. Uh, you know, later on in life and, and still exercise. I mean, you know, I look at myself, I don't recognize myself in the mirror anymore. I'm in my 70s, but, uh, you know, uh, inside, uh, you know, my wife, myself, both, we don't feel any different. We're, we're twenty-five. <laughs> we, we aren't walking around like old people and we work all day long. We farm and sure. you know, we, we're having a good time. Yeah. Well, good for you. Finally, uh, I wanted to ask you about this. We had a gentleman on the show who's really quite interesting, and his name was, um, I don't know what his name, but he did the brain, or he did the whole thing about um, about grains and wheat belly. Do you know this fellow? Um, no? Mm. 
Anyway, he's written about your cardiologist. Well, I know the wheat belly yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. He, written about, he wrote about 10 books. We had him on, and we found him really a really sweet guy. And he mm-hmm. talked about a, a microbe called L. rotori. Never heard of L. rotori? Mm-hmm. And he suggested there's this place in, in Switzerland where you can get this, the real stuff and make your yogurt out of it, that it's got some really, oh, really kind of fun things for the colon and all that. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, where we, we made, William Davis is his name, and we made some yogurt. It sure tastes good. I don't know if it's doing anything. I just started it. Have you ever messed around with that? These different microbes? Not that particular one. Uh, you know, I believe in fermented foods and like the whole wheat belly thing. Of course, that it comes from eating the wrong type of greens. Yeah. And then, of course, people used to eat greens. They'd ferment them, you know, your sure. sourdoughs and things, or you'd sprout them. You know, I, I bake all the time, but I use sprouted grains or, you know, ferment the, the dough and everything. So it's pre-digested. And huh. in Chinese medicine, it, the... the um, grains are considered the most potent way to deliver the full force of the five elements. And uh, so grains are good, but of course they've got a bad rap lately because everybody's eating the wrong type. And even when they eat the right type, they're not eating them in the right way. So like if we're into this uh, einkorn, you know, that ancient wheat, right, from oh, Italy. Yeah, yeah. I know the lady who kind of brought that out, uh, Carla Bart- Bartolucci. Um is so, she the jovial? Company? She's a jovial. She's jovial. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I've got great cookies. I met Carl. Yeah, they're great cookies. And uh, so, <laughs> would you actually take the 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 einkorn uh, wheat berry things and then soak those too, and then do a uh, do a yep. fermented? Huh. So in uh, I have a building where I have a dehydrator that's uh, maybe about seven feet tall and. Whoa. Really? feet wide yeah and uh you know a lot of there so what i'll do is sprout things and then throw them out there dehydrate and then grind them into flour once they're dry so you get sprouted and by the way i have sacks of icorn wheat berries in my storage do you so you actually and, yeah, how long we'll, does it take we'll to get how, how long does it take to sprout the icorn wheat berries you don't want to wait until they actually have you know, where you can see the sprouts coming too far out. Yes, sir. You want to get them when they're just barely breaking skin uh. and then dry them at that point. You know, rinse them, just let them drain, and then put them out on racks and dry them. Otherwise, you're going to get uh, a lot of uh, extra vegetable matter and everything. But when you sprout them and then you eat the sprouted grains, it's like uh, it, it metabolizes like eating vegetables. Whoa. So you sprout them about what temperature? 100 or so? 100 degrees? Whatever. I, I'm not that fancy <laughs> about it. I just, you know, if you look at my kitchen sink, it looks like a laboratory experiment at any time. So I've usually got all sorts of jars upside down with almonds and seeds and grains. So you grind them up and then you, um, then you, you use it like a sourdough and make bread from the einkorn. Yeah. Whoa. Mm-hmm. I bet that's really tasty. I have a lady in, yeah. in, in Florida who's making me the einkorn and she sends me these, these, uh, bagels and they're just out of control good but i you know i'm going to teach mm-hmm. her on this this sprouting thing so how about how would you do that if you like what rice how would you do that with rice rice is um uh tricky you know because when they uh process it and they take the outer shaft yes, off sir. the same with oats yeah 
it gets a little harder to sprout. But if you go do a search again, you'll be able to find sproutable rice and oats, but you don't want it where it still has the outer shaft on it because that's going to add elements that aren't going to be digestible and it's not going to taste good either. So hmm. there's some that you can still sprout, but that outer sheath is taken off at the same time. But a lot of your organic brown rice that you might buy at the health food store isn't going to sprout typically. Because it's got that outer shell on? Um, no, it's just because it's, it's, it's off. Um, well, if it still has the outer shell, uh, shell on, that's, you know, right when it comes, uh, you know, out of the stalk in the ground there. Right. So that'll sprout for sure. But you don't want to, that's going to be pretty tough to eat with all that, you know, kind of real sharp. So there's an in-between of a rice or an oat, uh, an oat growth that is sproutable, but it doesn't have the outer shell is what you're saying, right? Yeah. So search for sproutable oats and <laughs> sproutable rice but if it says it has the outer shell on it which would be great for farming you don't want that ah, for eating but want, it does exist uh, you know we've got some out there and i've done that that's fine but, you know in the early days i just tried to sprout regular rice and it didn't, didn't work. work so you would sprout this rice but, for a few yeah. days to get the just before the little nub just like the wheat and then cook it up yeah Wow. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, regular rice, it doesn't sprout. It's still good stuff uh, if you just, you know, like boiled grains and, you know, it's it's very digestible and good food. Is it just like a, and then with a lot of butter, I guess, too, that would be good. <laughs> butter makes everything taste good. You know, I mean, we, we have Dr. Ray Pete on, you know, Dr. Pete. Um Dr. Uh, Ray Pete? No. Oh, he's a PhD, 80, 80, low 80s, and he's been around forever. He's a really cool guy. You'd love him. Uh, and he he really he talks about nixtamalization, where you nixtamalize the corn or use the, uh, you know, that process, you can nixtamalize grains as well, yeah, which is pretty fun. Oh, neat. Yeah, pretty cool. Brother, thanks. For, boy, I really overstayed my welcome with you. Sorry for keeping you so long, but I've had so much fun. Oh, yeah. Well, it didn't seem like that long to me. I had a great time. I know. I'm it's glad. It's always you, fun talking to well, you. Well, thanks so much for, for being here. Um, so I'm looking forward to getting your, your teas in the mail. I think any day now, you send me an email, send it was shipped. So I'm excited about that. Tell folks about your website and what they'll find there before we let you go. Alphavedic.com. Yeah, just uh, real quick. The website is the commercial arm of our permaculture design. And, you know, when people think of permaculture, even permaculturists, they think of just farming. <clears throat> but doesn't it make sense that it should be a complete loop where what you grow can actually help finance so you can grow again next year? Yeah. And so, uh, you know, every year we're on a new farm here in our fifth year. We're at our last farm for 10 years. We needed more elbow room. We grew, uh, we, we uh, got here. So now we're kind of midstream every year we expand our crops and grow more and more stuff so more of our ingredients in our products are actually what we grow but we're kind of in that tweener stage now and uh so then you know what we um put into our products and what we make with ingredients from our old trusted sources with things we can't grow 
uh, goes in our you know products that I formulate myself. They're all original formulations based on what I think works, and and then uh, you know those finance our whole operation, and we have um, hmm. uh, a whole membership thing that we'll be launching pretty soon down the road, which is going to be um, nonprofit arm that is going to finance our um, our real mission, which is to get more education out to the public so we'll be teaching all the things that we do and um you know and then the, the website alphavedic.com a-l-f-a-v-e-d-i-c um you know is helping us get there and you know it's a lot of fun and we're going to be making a lot of changes uh this next season including revamping that but right now you can go there and we've got a few videos up and we have our own uh um you know, media that we get out there and, and, you know, you can get all the links to that on the website as well. It's pretty trippy too. When you think about it here, you and I were both have uh, over 70 Christmases under our belt, right? I have 75 of them. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm feeling like my life is just starting. You know, I'm just kind of, man, I got a lot of, you know what I'm saying? I really believe that bear. I mean, I feel like the world is my oyster, and we can do whatever we want. And yeah. I think we can stick around here for a long time if we want. May as well. That's part. You know? That's part of that larger shift that's going on. And yeah. if you're on board with it and not buying into the old narratives, <laughs> including right. aging. Aging, right? Um, you know, you might look a little different, but Who cares? I know for a fact yeah. we're different than our parents' generation that we're acting a little bit different at yeah. the same phase of life. You know, we're still kind of behaving like children. I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> so, right. That's right. Um, That's right. yeah, no, the whole paradigm shifting and that has to outpicture in how we feel and how our bodies work. And just a little teaser, there's a lot of things we're working on behind the scenes that uh, will make the journey through the so-called aging process a little bit easier. Oh, I want to talk to you it's about that. It's not trying to fight yeah. Mother Nature with nutraceuticals and things. It's actually learning how to alchemically work with Mother Nature. And like the cell salts, for instance, fantastic entry level. But, you know, we'll be There's putting more. out alchemically attenuated cell salts and a whole bunch of spinoffs off that that will allow the same thing to happen only with uh, elevated uh, aspect that's going to feed all three layers of your being that they acknowledge in alchemical works, oh, which they call the great work. Oh, good for you. That's just great. Well, I love you, brother. You are so much fun to talk to. Love you a lot. And uh, God, it's just so exciting to have you on the show. I'm just jazzed. So would you hold on a second? Because I have something I want to run by you, okay? Or walk by you. Or, sure. run, or run by you. I don't know. Walk, run, something. Stay right there. Uh, thank you. May the blessings be. Take care of yourself. All right. Uh, wait a minute. Hold on a second. That's not, I don't have the right one here. Come on. There. Let me see. No, I got the right one. What a culture we're in. Isn't Whoa, just quit talking, Patrick. Bear Paul uh, Lando, Patrick Timpone, one radio network.com. Well, so we're going to, we'll, we'll roll this puppy up on BitChute so you can see Bear and, uh, and his little yoga swing and all of that. And then visit his website. And I'll, I'll tell you more about his teas when I get him in there and try them. So I will see you kids tomorrow with Adam Bergstrom at 10 o'clock Central Time. I love you all very much. Thank you for being here. You're doing great. 
no matter what anybody tells you, don't believe it. Just do what you know is good and, and, and righteous and take care of your life and your family. You're going to be fine. And these Looney Tunes can't hurt you. Don't, don't worry about it. So I love you guys. Thank you. I will see you tomorrow, 10 o'clock. Uh, may the blessings be. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.